Welcome to Counter Stories, the program by people of color, for people of color, and everybody else. I'm Halili, owner of The Other Media Group, VP of Programming at Ampers, and producer of Counter Stories. Uh, we have a special show for you today as uh, we are recording this on March 8th, International Women's Day. And so we have a great panel of wonderful women that we are talking to today. And I'll have them introduce themselves. And we'll, we'll start with you, Beverly. Sure, absolutely. I'm Beverly Bushyhead. I am an enrolled citizen of the Eastern Band of Cherokee Indians. I'm very grateful to speak Cherokee on lands that may not be used to hearing it. And so I speak it every chance I get. Um, and I'm happy to introduce myself in that way if that feels good for you all. Um, but one of the things I love is that I left my reservation and came to St. Paul, Minnesota, and this is my spot on earth. So I am very happy to be with you today, and I'm very happy to talk about um, women in general, one of my favorite topics. Hi, I'm Deanna Rader. I am located in Duluth, Minnesota. I was born and raised in Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, came here in 2016. I am a legal advocate for Dabinogan Domestic Violence Shelter up here in Duluth, and I'm also a crisis response advocate at Center Against Sexual and Domestic Abuse in Superior, Wisconsin. I serve as the chair on the uh, Superior Mayor's Commission of Communities of Color, and I'm really excited to be with all of you today to talk about women because women are amazing. <laughs> Hi everyone, my name is Sagol Ali. I am, I always introduce myself as my professional role, but really I'm a sister, a daughter, a friend, a community member. Um, sometimes people refer to me as a product manager due to my professional role. Um, my focus is around advancing health equity in the healthcare environment. I uh, work for United Health Group as an organization. Um, so I'm always looking at how do we continue continuously look at including all of our different communities and what does that look like? Um, and how do we make sure that we are creating access for people that have been historically marginalized? Um, and then I, outside of my professional role, I am part of a nonprofit organization called Ayala Leads. We support women who want to run for office. We, we try to get them involved in the civic engagement space. We create uh, leadership programs for younger girls to learn the skills um, and the training to grow in whatever field that they want to. So I think at, at the core of my being, I really do believe that women are just incredible and phenomenal. And when given the right tools, resources, and support, they just do incredible transformational things. So it's a little bit about me. So that's our show, pretty much. Like, everybody just go Google everybody that just spoke. <laughs> and you'll see all the amazing things that these amazing women are done. The end. I mean, that's great. That's why I wanted to do this. Um, I mean, for me, like... International Women's Day, I don't really even know what it means or how people really celebrate it. Um, wh what does that mean to you guys when you hear that? So in all fairness, I actually didn't start celebrating International Women's Day until I was more in my mid-20s. I didn't even think it was a thing um, because it wasn't talked about in the settings that I was a part of growing up um, until I got older and I realized, wait a minute, March is history, Women's History Month and there's a specific day that lands 
on Women's History Month um, that's celebrating women. Um, so I started getting into it the last few years. I always do something special for myself. Today I got dressed, did my makeup. I typically don't have a full face of makeup on. Um, and I got myself a cup of coffee. And I think for me, it's like also texting the people, the women in my life to just let them know like, hey, I'm so happy you're in my life and just like giving people their flowers. That's definitely a thing I'm, I'm really big about. Um, and then also just like, recognizing the women who are before me who have paved the way for me to be where I am and then also being mindful of how am I carrying myself for younger women who might be looking at what I'm doing and taking note because that's something that people don't you know oftentimes talk about but younger girls are constantly looking at women around them to see like okay this is what I should be conducting myself as this is who I should be um, when I grow up so it's just like being mindful of the influence that I have as an individual and the type of message that I'm sending to younger girls so that's what this day means to me Um, but yeah I'm all about celebrating I love it I wish every day was International Women's Day which it is in my mind Um, but just yeah I think that's also, that is a really hard question to answer because I just think about, I mean, how fortunate I am to be surrounded by so many women who have mentored me, guided me, supported me. You know, it never feels like just an isolated day. And I'm really lucky to be surrounded. I mean, that's what, in my role as an advocate, you know, just being taught, like meeting people where they're at, not being in front of them, but being behind them. Like those are from my mentors who were women, you know, like that. They set the precedent for me on what it means to be an advocate. And, you know, my goal is to being able to share that with anyone else who's in who wants to become an advocate or like it's not about doing the work for someone. It's doing it with them, guiding them, educating and giving them just as much knowledge as you have. And so it, it is really hard. Like I never think of it as just like a one day thing. I just think of always empowering anyone who comes to that door. Just for example, some some is cheesy that I think I thought about this weekend when you were speaking uh, is I was just at a wedding and there was this little girl dancing by herself, like just doing the craziest moves. And I was I re- I parroted what she was doing because I never want someone to feel isolated or feel weird or outcasted and it's just like if that can make a difference in that little girl's life on just being like it's okay to be different it's okay to be silly and have fun like that can I never want to make someone feel like they can't be them uh, their their true authentic selves and I just think of something as even as simple as that you know I, I think about those moments as a child when I was a child on being able to I, I'm a goofy person and I always like, I never cared what anyone think. Of course, I mean, deep down I probably did, but like in reality, like I always did myself to be my weird self. And, and while that may have not been appreciated while I was in high school, but like as an adult, like it, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> and so, um, I just think back to just something as simple as that. And that's, uh, so I might've answered your question. I might have not, but I, I, th- that's what I think of like with International Women's Day, you know, it's like, it's so a great to have a day in recognizing, but I just think about how grateful even on a daily basis, or even when I'm at like having just conversations like this, um, just how much support I've had on a day-to-day basis. And hopefully that I can carry that on. Yeah. International Women's Day is two things. It's a celebration for all the uh, progress that women have made to this point. And so it's celebrating that But it's also this call to action to talk about what hasn't happened and what could still, what's some of the work that we still 
can can progress and push forward. And so in many ways, I think um, women are scrutinized differently. And so I, I see it as both a big celebration to say, look how far we've come, look what we've done together. We're incredible. And women are amazing leaders, really, um, always at the front of movements, which I admire greatly. Um, mm-hmm. And and also it's a call to action socially to say we're doing great things and there are still some barriers that we're working to overcome. I feel like we all should have gotten the day off and we shouldn't be working right now recording this podcast. <laughs> One thing, and, and you know, uh, I reached out to to Ivy over at uh, ECO where uh, Deanna works and was like, oh, I want you to come on my show. And she's like, oh, I know this young person that you really really should have on your show instead. Um, And I reached out to Beverly because we were recently talking about some of the work that she's doing in community. And I reached out to Sagal because she and I had done some work together a few years ago. And it's just been a long time since I've talked to her. And I was like, I just want to get together this group of like really strong women to be like, I love you guys. I think you guys are powerful. And I, sh- I want to give flowers to you guys. And I want to give you guys the opportunity to talk about something that's important to you. I was thinking about it after you asked me to come talk about it um, and have this great conversation with these really powerful, amazing women. And I thought about just being a woman. I thought about what has that meant in my life? Um, what have I gained? And what have I learned in this? In, I'm really grateful to be a woman. I think in many ways, Um, we are allowed some opportunities and turning points and intersections in our lives in which we get to learn different things, different um, opportunities to learn in different ways. So we get to be moms and sisters and co-workers and leaders. And there's just lots of ways that we come together. So those intersections just multiply. And one of the things I thought was I am like the poster child of Women's Day. <laughs> and I, I I mean, it's not like I wanted to or tried to be or anything like that. It's just I'm doing so many things in advocacy for my sisters, for myself, for every issue that comes up and that matters to me, I respond. And so it's why I got educated. It's why I do the work I do. And so that's what I was thinking about, uh, frankly, when I came to think about uh, what we would talk about today. Um, and one of those things is Um, I have a feminist book club. So when nobody tells me what to do, I don't have a boss watching the time or anything like that. I get to just play and have fun. What do I do? I have a feminist book club just for fun. Can you guys believe it? It's really fantastic. And I can tell you more about it if you want me to. Um, I also have um, a small community radio show um, in which we talk. It's called The Heart of the Movement. And it's 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 a place to talk about issues, um, just really local, very super local. Um, and my recent new role, my new paid role um, with Minnesota Peace Building is along that line about how do we heal? How do we come together and talk about some of the historical traumas, some of the social injustice, and how do we fix it just for ourselves as individuals, but also for each other, for our families, and for our communities, which is everything, right? Um, and so becoming, I was thinking like, when you're just playing and goofing around, it might look to some like you're doing work, but it's really what you are. And so like, I think it's a political statement to be like born a native woman and you immediately become this advocate socially, um, in your job, 
in your world, you just become this. And so that's what I meant when I said, we're like poster children. We're the poster child for International Women's Day because it's it's not just our work. It is also um, our identity and and our family. It's just the way that we find peace and love in our lives. Um, And I'm happy to talk about my new role at at some point, but I'd love to hear too from, from these wonderful women. I am proud to be a woman. I think there were times in my life when I didn't want to be a woman, um, especially when I was when I was younger, and um, especially being, you know, I'm I'm not young anymore, and so um, being choosing media as a career um, as a young Asian woman was not something that was norm, and um, and so it wasn't necessarily frowned upon, but people kind of, you know, looked at you weird and different and um, wasn't being a very obedient daughter in, in any sort of manner. And I, and I had always, so there were times when I was like, you know, if I was a boy, if I was a man, nobody would question this and and I could do whatever I want and people would be proud of me. Like, you know, and, and now I still feel like I'm, I'm still struggling to be like, you know, look at all the things that I've done. I've accomplished a lot. I've, I've worked in community for a long time and you know, if I was a if I was a man, I'd get a lot of accolades right now. You know what I mean from my own community, and and I don't see that, but I I do see it from my my Hmong sisters, right? The other sisters in community and female identifying individuals as well, um, who who we recognize each other because sometimes our our wider community doesn't recognize us. If that makes any sense, I always wondered, and I don't know if there's a guilt or sometimes I. I thought more about this in my undergrad, especially when I take like those uh, classes that were like heavily male occupied and like the hard sciences, they called them soft sciences, hard sciences. And I actually what that's what inspired my uh, senior seminar, my undergrad in my anthropology class. So I was a cultural anthropology major and a political science major. And for my seminar, I did a little research a little sample study on how women dress how female professors dress in the classroom to gain authority and it was I I I did it um on the hard sciences and social sciences um and did like a test sample and like interviews on how people how female professors felt they need to have to dress in order to gain authority and because the only research out there was larger universities uh, where bigger class sizes. I went to a small private liberal arts school in Indiana in the middle of cornfields. Um, and it was an interesting dynamics looking at a small private college that was very liberal compared to like where these a lot of research was done at like bigger state university, pu- uh, public state universities. So mm-hmm. that was, re- I, I think, something I really th- thought about. And then even uh, just like, in the presence where, you know, like, uh, similar to what you shared, it's just, um, there are those moments where you think about, like, if I, if I was a male, like, I'm sure this would be a little bit easier, but, uh, the reality is it's like, then I hold myself, I, I, I immediately switch. I'd be like, no, like you got here because of who you are. Like, I don't want to be anybody else. I love who I am. And, you know, I love that this confidence, I don't know where this confidence came from. I swear I don't, but it's just like, I <laughs> I was like, I am, I was going to say was, but I was like, I'm a spitfire. Like I am that person. Like I feel like I have a good filter, but there are some times where I do just think out loud and 
you know, ask for forgiveness later on what I say, but it's true. It's, um, it, it, like I said, and I, I do have to give it back to my mentors who really built me up on that. Maybe that's why Ivy thought you should be a part of this conversation because I have been described as a spitfire, like from my references for jobs. And that's not always lo- like, that's not always a good thing. I think like my reference thought it was a good thing. Um, but also like this whole thing about dressing, right? So um, under this sweater, you guys, I pinned my sweater shut because I wanted to look professional for you guys. But now that we've had that discussion, I'm really hot. I'm going to take my sweater off. <laughs> so <laughs> All right. I'm wearing my Nickelodeon sweater. Don't get slimed. <laughs> I feel more comfortable and I'm less hot now. <laughs> it's crazy when I hear other women speak and I'm like, yes, and yes, and yes. It like, it really reinforces that irregardless of what culture you're from, that there's these shared experiences that cuts across. Um, and I just want to piggyback off of a few, going back to what Beverly said about identity. I didn't know, like, let's say I didn't want to be an advocate or an organizer. I realized that being a visibly Black Muslim woman automatically automatically puts me in a position where either I am reinforcing stereotypes, whether I'm challenging, like anything I do, literally anything I do will start to mold this idea that people have of black Muslim women. They will generalize it. And I've been very mindful of that. My identity is something that's very, it it is a superpower. um, But also I just have to be mindful of how I want to be able to define my own identity and take my power back and not let people define it for me. So when you were talking, Beverly, I like, I felt it to my core. Um, And then going, uh, going to what Deanna said around just finding this confidence within yourself. I've always realized it's always been a, like I needed validation to truly take back or to fill the space, to take up space. Like I, I needed permission of some sorts um, to say, oh, I, I can fully be myself. Like without judgment, I don't need validation. And it took me, I would say most of my life, even now I still struggle with it when I'm, especially in professional settings. I, I, I'm very mindful of all of the power dynamics and the structures that exist. So it's like, even if I have confidence, there are structures in place that try to keep that, keep me from being too confident or too vocal. And so it's just that double-edged sword. Like you flourish as a woman, you grow in your awareness of yourself, but then you have these systems that hold you down. So it's like that just came to, that came to my mind while uh, while Deanna was talking. Um, And then just generally what comes to my mind is just, it is a life learning journey to accept who you are as a woman I don't think there's any stage where you're just like, I know myself. You're always evolving and you're always meeting yourself where you're at. And I needed to, and I'm very open to talk about this. I needed to go to therapy um, to actually help process. Like, why am I holding all of this pain? And oftentimes that pain is not mine to hold. It's, 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 it's a lot of, I think, just struggles that I've that have been placed upon me because of my identities because of like it just so I needed a therapist to say like hey I need to process this because it's really hard just navigating this world um so I think being a woman is beautiful um I always say that I've been dealt these cards but how do I make them a beautiful experience 
Um, so yeah, that's what comes to my mind. And I'm just like blown away at how well-versed each of you are. Um, so yeah. You know what really excites me? Um, it excites me of what you're saying because it talks about a level of trauma and um, harms that are done to us on a personal level. But we also, you really alluded to, they're generational, they're historic, they have been handed down, they happen to our mothers and our grandmothers. And, and what does that mean? And how does that look? And that is one reason, I didn't really get into it, but I want to get into it just for a second now. Um, I'm the new director of programs at Minnesota Peacebuilding Leadership Institute. And the reason I wanted to collaborate with this group is for like a decade, they've been unpacking trauma from like a neuro, you know, a neuropsychologist kind of perspective. So here's how trauma works. Here's how it affects your brain. Here's where you feel it in your physiology and body. And here's what that looks like. And when I saw that work, I was like, yeah, that's great. And I believe you. And the way we live it is really super important the way we experience it and inherited it. And like, we didn't create it on our own. We're holding a burden that was handed to us. And it's added to, you know, it's added onto in our experience as well. But also, what do we make of that? What do we do with that? And how do we not only lessen it for our children or our peers or each other and ourselves, but how do I do this in a way that makes me feel like my grandmother is proud of me and that I am changing what is happening to women across, not just locally, but just across the world, just in, in the universe, just like out there in the spirit world. How am I changing it? Am I helping anyone? And are the words I'm saying helpful? And is my modeling and where I get to um, climb to, those heights that I get to climb to, is that helping someone or is it making it harder? Am I thinking about that as I make those journeys, as I get that education? Um, all those things, they just all seem connected to me. Yeah, I think for me, it, it's become the point of like, you know, am I doing this um, you know, because I want to, or am I doing this because I'm expected to, or it will look good for our community, or it would be good for the community, even if I don't want to. And so I think, I, you know, I'm at that stage in my life, especially now that, you know, I had been, um, I had, I started uh, the other media group way back when, and I've also taken on this full-time job. So I'm, I'm doing both and, you know, figuring out that work-life balance and saying, you know, when I'm going to keep working, when I'm not going to keep working, when I have to say no to invites um, and what events I do go to. So like tonight, I'm, I'm missing a, a Hmong Women's International Women's Day dinner. And that's actually what reminded me that it was International Women's Day today, was getting an invite to this dinner. <laughs> and so, Beverly, I really wanted you here because you, you say these things that just make my mind go and think of all and, and makes me look deeper within myself and kind of like, how am I handling myself and how am I making sure the work I do is impactful? instead of just, you know, doing the work because it's the work. I think something that I, I have to think a lot about, you know, especially in a world where 
that burnout is a real thing. Um, compassion fatigue um, mm-hmm. is it, it's very uh, it's it, it exists a lot, and that's where I always I know where I have to take that step back and really look, especially when it's really hard, and remind myself why I'm doing this in the first place. You know. I always, I do believe in fate. I do believe everything happens for a reason when one door closes, another one opens. Like the opportunity of when I got into advocacy, it wasn't something that I sought out. I didn't even know what I wanted to do when I graduated. All I said is like, I knew I wanted to work in a community. I didn't want to, I want, I didn't want it to be like a same story, different day kind of thing. You know, something like always like fast paced, like just like, um, you know, it's just, you always expect the unexpected. And so when, when I got involved into advocacy, you know, it was, it was just like by a simple conversation and I described the exact same thing. And then they told me about, uh, this, uh, a community advocate position where I could help work with families who are looking to reunify, who are involved with, uh, uh, chips and CPS and that with, uh, talking about with ICWA. I was like, I don't know exactly what a community advocate is, but it sounds like something I'm really interested in and wanting to pursue and wanting to learn more <laughs> about because that's how, that's how I always like think of it. It's like, I, I, I like to, I love to learn new things. I love to try new things. And I even, even now I, I've been in, as a legal advocate for five years. And I consider myself a baby advocate because there are so many people who have done this for so many years who are, you know, like even when I get like I get acknowledged or something or when people like say expert, I'm like, whoa, I'm for I don't ever want to be labeled as an expert because I'm always learning. And the people I'm learning from are the families I'm working with. Like when we're talking about historical trauma, generational trauma, like, of course, I've been to trainings and everything. But the real like the I consider my real training from the people I work with, like. They are who they are the families, the individuals, they are who make me a better advocate because I'm learning through their experience. And, you know, and that's where I have to be really careful because it's like I want to last as long in this field as, as long as I can, you know, and I just and so I always have to take care of myself. But I always have to think about that. And it's interesting, about like with why am I doing this work? You know, where did that passion come from? You know, and I do think it comes, especially when we're talking about domestic violence. I know my mom, she, uh, not knowing what it was growing up, I did grow up in a household where there was domestic violence with her, when she had, with her boyfriends, you know, it was a single parent household. And when I saw those relationships, not know again, not knowing what they were, they were very unhealthy. They were abusive. And it's like, that's where I believe in fate. Like why I found my passion to do this work is because it's something that I didn't know what it was growing up. So now it's like, I want to be able to take that, even my own personal experience and using that to educate, to bring awareness to domestic violence because it's not so black and white that it gets put out in the media or in, or just in even general conversations, especially if people haven't experienced, they don't know what it looks like. I love what, what you said, Deanna, and it made me think also what you and Beverly had said. Do you guys all feel like like you fell into being an advocate because somebody had to, we do it? You know, I feel like that a lot in my life is like, it has to be done, so I'll do it. Is that how we all became advocates? Is that how we all, you know, became community organizers is because it's like it had to get, it has to get done. Do you ever feel that way? Especially in your individual, you know, communities is like, oh, well, you know, he knows how to do that. Let's get her to do it. And then eventually he knows a bunch of people who know how to do this and this and that. And eventually I'm the one that's organizing this or that. You know what I mean? Do we just fall into these positions as strong women or 
So I think that's a really cool question. What I think is a lot like what what Seagal said, and also Deanna touched on it. When you're trying to help yourself, when you're trying to understand what the heck was that? I just sort of like have this effect and I don't know where it came from and I and I don't know how to make sense of it. In our need to make sense of the world and our whatever we're dealing with, and, and lots of times it's about how can I be happier? How can I feel more content and at peace? And just how can I deal with this, this burden that I'm holding? I think in many ways, as we do that, our path, as Deanna said, emerges. We become good at it. So then we're just like, oh, I recognize now that this thing I've been holding, I see others around me holding it. And I know a trick or I know a tip or I know a practice that could be helpful. And so could I help? Is there some way that I can bring you along? Which is really what this whole International Women's Day thing is about. It's about you make it a few steps forward and you bring someone along. And in many ways, it's it's wrapped up in our cultures. Um, very clearly, we, we are communal and we help each other and we want our survival to be wrapped up in the survival of each other. Um, and so we know if we're doing better, everyone around us will do better. And so I just think it's partly empathy. It's partly communal living, our way of, of living our culture. And it's the fact that we, all of you have named it in a different way. We are so willing to learn for our entire lifetime. We know we're never going to stop learning. And so we're just kind of like, I learned this and I want to share it. And in my generous generosity and my love for you and for each other, I become that voice. And I don't think any of us meant to. I just think it's just an, an extension of our own paths and our own healing and our own expertise because we're pretty sharp on this call. We're really wise. Uh, I can add on to what Beverly said. Um I, I do believe my faith is a big anchor in my life. Um, and I believe that everyone was gifted with a talent, was gifted with something that um, God has like instilled in them. So I do believe to what you're saying that everyone has this thing and you can't do it by your, like you can't achieve great impact by yourself. There's a quote um, that I heard a few weeks ago and I still, I wrote it down. Um, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Um, so even though we have all of these individual talents, like we cannot make a collective impact without each other. So um, that quote really resonated deeply with me. Um, and I, I, I do believe that um, to something that Beverly said, as we're processing, like, right, we have these talents that we were born with and we have these insights and these gifts, but we need to go through life to find them. And oftentimes it's it could be a crisis. It could be... Uh, generational trauma. It could be something that we're trying to within ourselves figure out, you know, why is this happening? What could this mean? It really is inputs for ourselves that then starts to put together this picture of what, who we are. Again, I don't know who I am. I'm, con I'm continuously evolving and I'm growing. So I'm, I'm just taking inventory of, okay, this is what I like in this moment. I'm going to go after it. I'm just going to keep doing it because it brings me joy. It brings me peace. It keeps me grounded. Um, that might not serve me tomorrow. So I'm just, I, I, I try to keep, in tune with myself. Um, and, and one thing that I realized within my faith is that justice is a big calling. If you see something like injustice uh -huh. for me is the visceral 
calling to why I do what I do. I, I cannot, I don't care if you're like, I, I don't care what community, I don't care who it is. Like if I see something that is being done and there's harm, I, I will do something. So I don't even feel like I feel obliged more than I feel like it's just inherent that we should all st- say something, do something. Um, so I think I'm just always, I gravitate towards social causes. Um, sometimes I think I do sign up for too many things. And this is where the work-life balance and like passion comes into play. Cause it's like, okay, whoa, girl, you can't fight every, <laughs> you can't fight every injustice <laughs> in this world. Um, but I will say that's why I do what I do professionally and community with other people. Um, and sometimes I'm just like, Hey, I'm not good at that, but I know somebody who is. So let's go talk to them, you know? Um, mm-hmm. so going back to that self-awareness. Something I've really appreciated through this conversation and in general talking about as being a woman and and this isn't like a downer, but I mean, it's just kind of the reality as we're talking about like who we are, who we are as a person, as a woman. But sometimes I do wonder that earlier I talked about, you know, the, the the acknowledging certain privileges I have. And one thing, a big privilege I always hands down acknowledges. So my, my mom's side is Polish German on my dad's side, uh, black and Mexican. And, but growing up, I was always appeared dark. I mean, I grew up in Las Vegas. The sun was everywhere. Moved out to Minnesota. I had gotten like 50 shades lighter. And so I, I've sometimes wondered though, like that confidence, that ability to be loud, spitfire, is that because of how I look too? Yes, I'm a, like, I don't sometimes visually look like I have additional barriers that I know have, that other women have faced. So especially when I'm working with uh, women of color, people of color who facially are darker complexion or uh, a, 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 of another race and then they're with me and it's like, are they more respected because I'm with, not necessarily because I'm a woman, but because I am a person of with a title, uh, legal advocate in a profession, you know, and so I, I always think of those things, um, especially when having deep conversations like this that really get my my wheels turning and me really reflective. And um, as part of like where we're talking about identity, I know that's a big one that that goes in the back of my head. Like, why is it that I I and I'm glad, like I said, I, I'm so grateful that I do have that ability to be loud and not get as dismissed. I'm sure there are times when people try to shut me up and I still keep going. I'm like, I, I, I've been rewatching the nanny a lot, like Fran Drescher, you know, she just keeps going and going and going and going and going. I'm like, <laughs> that is literally me sometimes. Like even like, who knows, maybe I don't always read the room, but I still go until I make my point. But um, so I think about those things a lot. Um, and like I said, having this conversation, of course, I, you know, I love when, you know, I can have those deep self-reflective moments. <laughs> I don't know. It's just like being on this call with your three beautiful faces brings me so much joy today, you guys. <laughs> because, I mean, and, and you know, um, I have been having kind of a bad week. And so, like, just seeing you guys and hearing and what you guys are doing and what you're up to, but also hearing the excitement in your voices um, and hearing how proud you guys are of yourselves and everything that you guys have done, like, makes me happy. It makes me remember, you know, the good things. If you know the show, I'm often considered kind of a downer or a pessimist. And that's because I often like, you know, lose hope in these movements that we, we're trying to do. When you, when I know that people have been trying to 
make change. When I know people are trying to make change in, in, in some area for over 50 years and we keep going backwards, I start to just feel like, why? Why are we doing this? If we continue to we move forward, we take two steps forward and one step back. Is it worth, you know, is this really going to happen? Am I investing my energy into all of these things that is just not going to happen for us? And so I get really down about those sorts of things. And so when I do get down about those things, it's like I need to surround myself with people like you guys who can help remind me that, you know, there are still good things happening out there, even if those big issues, you know, that are don't seem like they're moving forward at all. I think all of us come across days like that and even weeks like that. And heck, let's admit it. Sometimes it feels like it lasts a year. Um I think it's challenging. I think it's challenging to care and be really aware to really know what's happening and to see it clearly and realistically. It's really important to not like gloss it over or polish it up so it looks nice. Do you know what I mean? Which is one of the things I have um, to talk. That's why I continue to talk about International Women's Day is not just a celebration. It's a call to action because it's really important that we remember, and there's still work to do. No matter how far we've come, there's still work to do. Um, and the thing that I wanted to say in in honor of, uh, of all of you is that I, I have a spiritual belief that we choose, that we know before we ever come here into our life as a baby. We choose our parents. We know who our siblings will be. And we know some of the challenges that we're going to face and be called to face and deal with or overcome or even just be stopped by. We just know what some of those barriers will be. And one of the things that I think is true for us as women is that we must have known that that we're not seen the same way um, socially, politically, across the public, across society, we knew that some of these battles would be ours to face. And so when I think of that, and I have those down days, like you were talking about, I often think, why would I choose this? Why would I willingly say, all right, let's go again. Here we go. You know, um, and I think part of it, I know nobody, you don't have to believe like I do about choosing, but I believe if I did choose it, then Part of it is so that I could make not just a difference, but so that I could matter, so that I could make these issues matter to others, so I could influence people either through experiencing them and them growing empathy by seeing me fall or by seeing my need or by me admitting I have that, that hard day, whatever that is. I think that's a benefit to those around me because then they have to feel something about that. Um even if they ignore it, they still have to like walk around it to not care. And that's important. Our presence here in all of those aspects is really important for each other because like we're here for each other too. And the other thing that I think is really important is women have this, um, you'd mentioned being considered a downer um, by some or at different times. And I think there's this public perception and requirement of women to be smiley, to be positive, to be like for everybody's public consumption. And it's really cruddy. It's really not right. It's really not fair. It's really um, intrusive. And it 
that's a hard time then for us to create those healthy boundaries. So like we get to say, you don't have to invite me, but I still have a right to be here. I am still at the table, whether you wanted me here or not. And I don't have to smile so that you're comfortable every second of the day when I'm there. And I just think it's really important for us to to empower ourselves in that way. And we're not going to be encouraged to do it. So society is not going to say, she doesn't want to be smiley. And we're going to applaud her for that. What great freedom she's expressing. What great personhood. And yet, it's really important that we do that because all those aspects of ourselves are part of us and they really matter. And if we're going to be a full human, we can't be here to be smiley and, you know what I mean, make make the comfortable way for everyone else. That's what I think. Beverly, I loved what you just said. It really made me think. So before I went to advocacy, I used to work for my aunt at, a, at her meat store. Um, and I just remember working behind the meat counter one not being trusted that I don't know meat, like I can tell you quality meat, like I can answer the questions just as much as a butcher can. And then two, my favorite one, you should really smile. And I, my immediate response was, I don't want to smile. And that causes wrinkles. So I'm happy with my face just as is. <laughs> I'm, sh- I'm so lucky I did not get in trouble. I, you know, but like, I, I was just like that. I said, that makes me not want to smile. That makes me want to do the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Especially, I don't like being told what to do. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I have rusting, disgusted face, so uh, it's. Hard. <laughs> I try to, I try to smile or recognize what I'm doing with my face. Otherwise, it's just like, did you smell something bad? Like, you know, what's going on with your face? <laughs> I mean, honestly, Bev, don't make me cry because I've cried twice in front of Sagal now. Then. Um, <laughs> Because it is, it does get really, it does get rough. And I think we're in the midst of like cabin fever too, you know, and, um, and so I think it's, everything's been a little hard for everybody and I'm starting, I'm just starting to kind of come out of my hole and go out again and see people and go to events and, and stuff like that. And so like, I need to, I think it's part of like turning my, um, introvertness, um, off for a while so I can um, see people and actually be a social per- person for a while, you know, and, and that, that becomes hard, I think, for, for everybody, not just women, but definitely for ev- everybody, especially coming out of the, the pandemic. Um, and like Sagal, I've only seen her, I, we've actually only met, met in person a few times and most of it's done over text. And then I think I called you crying once. How are you feeling? Man, I just want to emphasize how powerful each of you are. And like, I am a crybaby. I cry all the time, please. So um, (laughs) please feel free. I think vulnerability is power. Um, Something that you said earlier, I wanted to go back to and like being dooms and gloom in this work. Um, When I first had a moment when I actually entered this space and trying to advance equity and what that could look like and systems that really don't really care for it or don't don't want to be able to see like hey what do we get out of it you know like what what is the what is the rationale um what i've learned is that it's it's radical what's radical is being able to not be committed to the outcome as much as you are committed in the present moment and trying to advance what it is that you're trying to do um because everything is out of our control but what isn't is 
this now, this now, this time now. And I actually wanted to share a story with this group, if you allow me. Um, the night that you did call me teary-eyed, you were trying to help a gentleman who did not know any English, looked lost, uh, uh, spoke only Somali, and he called me. <laughs> he called me saying, like, I don't know what's going on. This man looks so lost. I don't want him to just wander around and, like, get hurt It or was pouring and rain. It was pouring it was rain. And I just want to say that is a testament to who you are as a person. Um, and I think that oftentimes we're so narrowed in into, like, the work that we're doing, whether it's advocacy, but it's real life change happens out everywhere. It happens in our day to day. And I think you're such, I remember hanging up the call and I, I was just so amazed because I work with you to like do other media stuff. But then it, 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 in that moment is when I realized I'm like, oh my God, like you will do anything for anyone who needs help. Um, and I think that the doom and gloom comes from, oh, we have to achieve freedom and we have to do all of these like big things but when you start to look at the small wins in the day you're like oh no I made a difference for someone today I was able to make an impact and I think that's where I find my peace and my sanity because I swear to god you guys I could go off end <laughs> because of how <laughs> depressing this world is oh my god I so know. like being right now this call that we're having I can tell you I will be on a high for the rest of the day and honestly for the rest of the week if not the month because there are women like us in every corner of our state in every corner of our country and it's like I can sleep at night knowing that people like us exist um and that we define like we define what what change looks like and we are the ones who are doing the work because if not us then who I always remind myself like if not us then who mm -hmm. um so yeah that's all like I'm just I'm just so amazed that you brought all of us together because like just hearing everybody talk again I'm like yes and yes and like I swear I'm gonna send you this audio and you're just gonna hear my commentary in the background so yeah that's how I'm feeling and I'm really I know we only met a few times but you're I really do like I you're near and dear to my heart I really want you to know that and like I'm just so grateful we crossed paths shout out to Callie Chamberlain who made the connection yes. Um, cause here we are shout out to later. And That's crazy. <laughs> and crazy. shout out to your dad. We do work with, oh, with her dad. And it was shout so out sweet. to my dad. <laughs> Every time I say your name, he's like, Oh, Eli, how she's doing. So yeah. And as we close out, um, you know, during this time, there's a lot of, you know, the session is happening. Um, there's a lot of advocacy at the Capitol happening. There's, talk of, you know, the next election, there's police shootings, there's kids killing kids. I mean, there's just a lot of stuff um, that is happening. And so how are you being you and taking care of you during this time? I think one of the cool things that Sagal just said was, it's not so much did we make it across that finish line? Did we, like, how are we measuring our success? And one of the ways that I take care of me is I know I'm walking a good path and that is life. That is the best it gets. And it isn't, does anybody else get to tell me I'm doing good or not? I know I'm doing good and I know that my ancestors are cheering for me. Uh, I Before I do give my official closing, I do have to give this quick shameless plug. I mean, in honor of this, so we're doing a, uh, our shelter is doing a shelter, uh, shelter expansion fundraise, counter fundraiser, uh, um, where we're raising funds to expand our shelter because there's just not enough, there's not enough bed spaces. And so April 6th, North Shore Theater, we're going to have Annie Humphrey 
Kisakola, Eric Koskinen. It's going to be a fun night. It's in Duluth, Minnesota. So, and then um, my final closing, it's pieces like this. So I hope I can, hope it shows, but this is, um, okay. So I know not everyone who listens to this will be able to see it, but um, so this is uh, uh, an artist uh, or sorry, it's um it's called Listen to the Thoughts of Our Youth. It was done by an artist named Max Defoe. She is um, in 11th grade. And it was done during, uh, we have a, during Human Trafficking Awareness Month in January, a Brave Art Youth Exhibition where uh, young artists can say what it means to be brave. And I saw that piece and I was just like drawn to her. And I was just like, I have to get that piece. And this is like a, a, a person who's in 11th grade and a young artist, uh, a young native artist. And I was just like, supporting work like that those are like the little that's when I that's how I you know what I always strive to do like those little pieces like it it may not seem big in the moment but it's like I can look back like I look I have it literally sitting on my desk so I see it every day I come in here and it like it's also a reminder why I do what I do to see um just seeing work like that so yeah that is my closing (laughs) okay I Deanna I have to show you I have an art piece too but it is a collective group of women. Um, I actually was gifted the, uh, gifted this by my manager when I was leaving my role. And she said that I reminded her of this picture. Um, and I just, it's a picture of Muslim women um, in community together, just like walking their path, even though they're on different paths, they're still together. And like, it's in front of me all the time. So anytime I'm just feeling alone, I'm like, no, I'm not alone. I'm not alone. There are women who are around me constantly, um, not just Muslim women, but women from all backgrounds. Um, so I just had to show that really quickly. Um, and my closing remark is, I think something that um, Beverly said around just knowing that you're doing your best and like your best is your best and just living a life of authenticity like that, I think... It took me a long time to realize that I don't have to follow the playbook of somebody else's. I don't have to define my success measures by somebody else's that I am defining my life by my standards and not society's standards, not the expectations that were passed down by me from my parents, from my culture, from my ancestors. But I'm walking this journey and I'm I'm defining what this life is going to look like for me as a woman, as a black woman, as a Muslim woman. Um, and while I'm doing that, I'm making friends along the way because that's really fun. And change doesn't happen alone. It happens together. So I'm just so grateful. I will be hitting you guys up. I want your emails. I want to, like, I have events <laughs> coming up. You guys, I, we need to stay connected. But yeah, that's that's my closing remark. <laughs> for sure. So now I have to share art. So this one would look familiar to Deanna. It's a mural up in Duluth. Um, I have Suni Lee back here. I have Where in the World is Carmen San Diego, And then I have this piece. Um, it's a piece of art for a project I did called Liquid Gold, and it's black breastfeeding. And I have this piece I bought in Vietnam. And so, yeah, my I, I do surround my office with art and art of women. Um because, you know, I'm in my office 12 hours a day, so I need to surround myself with things that make me happy. Um, and you guys make me happy, and so I feel so much better. I usually feel better after Counter Stories anyway, but, like, being here with the three of you really, really is exactly what I needed um, after the week I've been having. So thank you so much for joining me on Counter Stories. I'm Haley Lee, owner of The Other Media Group, VP of Programming at Ampers, and Counter Stories producer. And I'm Beverly Bougiehead, um, Eastern Band of Cherokee Indians, new director of programs at Minnesota 
Peacebuilding Leadership Institute. And I'm Deanna Rader, a legal advocate at Dabinogan Domestic Violence Shelter. And I am Sagwa Ali, an organizer, a daughter, a sister, and a product manager that is advancing health equity. Thanks for joining us, ladies. This has been Counter Stories, a co-production of the Counter Stories crew and Ampers, diverse radio for Minnesota's communities, with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. For a full conversation, please visit counterstories.com. <laughs>